Hey everyone, I'm Rachel. And I'm Sarah. And we're sisters who just so happen to be best friends. We're here to unpack all of the unexpected moments that come with early adulthood and hope to uncover a more meaningful life, one conversation and cup of coffee at a time. This This is Mocha's in the Meantime. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of Mocha's in the Meantime. This is Rachel. And Sarah. And we're really excited to be here this morning. It's a nice Wednesday morning that we're recording, (laughs) and this is actually our second attempt at this episode, Yeah. Um, because last (laughs) night around like 10 o'clock, we tried recording this, and I think we've realized that nighttime recording is just not usually going to work, because we're already too tired and loopy from the day. (laughs) I think that I'm definitely a morning person, and you, like you said last night, are turning into one a little bit right now because of your schedule. Yeah, I think for me, I'm more of a night owl in general, but I'm not exactly productive at night. I just enjoy being awake at night, whereas in the morning, I'm much more productive, Mm. even though I don't want to be awake as much. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, I think it was a good example or like a good testament to sometimes things just don't happen like Mm -hmm. you want them to happen. And like sometimes you plan and then it doesn't end up working out, but we still had fun, so it's kind of like... Yeah, you can't force okay. it with podcasting, I've noticed. Or like anything creative, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back with a fresh perspective and ready to go. On this chilly <laughs> Wednesday morning. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, Um. I'm drinking some coffee as usual. I already finished my coffee, so now I'm just hydrating with yeah, some water. Yeah, rehydrating your body. Yeah. Um, Today's episode is, I think, an exciting one. I mean, it's kind of a spooky topic, but I think it's something (laughs) that a lot of us go through, I think, in all stages of life, but especially in this kind of transitional period that is young adulthood. (laughs) Yep. Um, yep. And it is imposter syndrome. So when did you learn about what imposter syndrome is? Because I personally only found out about it recently, like in the past few years, and I've realized how much it's resonated with my life from this point and probably beyond. (laughs) Yeah, I also learned about it fairly recently. Um, I think it was when I was starting graduate school and I started getting emails from UW or University of Washington where I go. Um, And they mentioned imposter syndrome in an email for grad students. And I was like, imposter syndrome? I had no idea what that was. And then I clicked on the link that they provided and was blown away by how much I could relate to the feelings they were Mm -hmm. mentioning. So for those of you who don't know what it is, um, it was this idea identified in 1978 by two psychologists named Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes. And it's pretty simple. It's just this idea that like if you're successful or you're experiencing success, that it's more from luck rather than who you are or your internal strengths. You're tricking yourself to think that you're fooling others with your success. Like you're afraid that people are going to eventually find out that you tricked them per se, like that you really aren't this intelligent or this successful because it's all been like the result of luck (laughs) or that they failed to see a a flaw in you when they interviewed you Mm -hmm. or something like that. I think imposter syndrome in general can really relate to a lot of experiences in life. I think you can feel like that with social or intimate relationships like oh once they kind of know the real me they won't really like me or I'm fooling them like by 
doing X, Y, and Z, even if you are just being yourself, you still kind mm. of can trick yourself mm. in that mindset of how could someone this cool like me or right. something like that. Like you're not truly good enough for them yeah. to love you or want to be with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we see it a lot. I think it's talked about the most in more of a professional or educational setting of if you're in a job or at school or, you know, are accepted into a program of some sort, you can easily be like, oh, I'm just an imposter here. All of these people around me are so much more talented, so much more creative, whatever it may be. Mm. And soon they're going to find out that I suck or something. (laughs) It's just a matter of time. And that's kind of how I've felt I think a lot in my life throughout my childhood and then again as I was saying I think it's very prevalent in young adulthood because you might be getting your first you know nine to five or more professional job Mm -hmm. maybe you're applying for your first internship or going to college for the first time or in your case being in a grad school program that's pretty competitive to get into yeah Um, or even like taking on a leadership role in something you're doing like being in a student organization and you decide to you know become mm -hmm. the treasurer or something or even you know in young adulthood I feel like you really are meeting a lot of new people through school and new jobs so maybe you could almost feel that way in that setting too Mm mm-hmm Yeah, Um, We just kind of wanted to talk about the times in our life that we've felt this imposter syndrome and kind of how we've coped with it and are starting, I think, to overcome it. I Mm -hmm. don't think I'm totally there yet, but um, we've definitely had some like good coping strategies that we've accumulated over the years that we wanted to share on this one. And we just hope this is relatable in some way because I think a lot of people feel this way and don't really share it with others because they don't want to appear as like weak or not confident or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be in our society that is kind of looked down upon. Yeah and I think that in our experience because we've been able to compile some strategies to help with coping with these really uncomfortable feelings honestly Mm -hmm. um, maybe like it can encourage others to you know broaden their horizons and see what tools they can have in their belt to maybe notice when this is coming up and then do something about it rather than letting yourself sulk in it which is what I've done for so long is like not even really be aware that it's not real That it's just something that I'm telling myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like, see past that and realize that this is something I'm doing to myself, but I can, like, I can see past it, I guess. And I think even just the label of knowing that imposter syndrome is a thing helped me a lot because I felt like for so long, like you were saying, I didn't realize that it was something I was telling myself and that Mm -hmm. other people were experiencing. I thought it was just me that sucked at everything. Yeah. Or like, I thought it was me who had like, I I think I equated it to confidence. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, I have no confidence or like, oh, I'm so nervous and weird. So obviously I can't succeed at this. Whereas if I had just known like, oh, a lot of people feel uncomfortable with new situations or taking on things that they don't feel super confident in yet. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's normal. One thing I just wanted to say is Rach and I found this amazing Time article about imposter syndrome that includes a lot of great information. We included it in the episode description. So we'd encourage you to take a look at that as well if you want to learn more. Mm -hmm. But um, 
I think we start, wanted to start things off with an example of imposter syndrome in both of our lives, and that is literally this podcast. Because for real, though, <laughs> because so when we started, we had all this good planning going. We had gotten our latte art, you know, like logo all edited and ready to go. We had our theme song picked out. We had an Instagram page started, and our name, of course, like Mocha's. In the meantime, we loved. So it was all going well when one day we kind of sat down to think about the actual content so you know the bulk of this project (laughs) and we're like wait a minute everyone's getting excited about I mean like our friends that we had told you know they're excited about all this stuff but once they get to the content will they realize that we're just frauds and Mm -hmm. like aren't fun or interesting to listen to and it really for me I think made me more nervous about actually starting this project Mm -hmm. because I felt like because we're amateur podcasters like so many are um, it made me feel like maybe we don't have a right or a place to be here doing this or like that again people would see through our facade or something of looking professional on the outside but then not being on the inside yeah I think for me we I also kind of wanted to do this as more of just a fun creative outlet but the closer it got to launching it the the more I was like wait a second I don't have a PhD in anything. I'm not like this <laughs> professional. I don't have all of this experience in an industry. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, why do I have an opinion that deserves to be heard almost? Mm-hmm. And I felt like this imposter of like, as a podcast host, I should know all of this. Mm. When, I mean, so many podcasts are more conversational like ours that don't require any training or anything but I think when you compare yourself to people that have like these huge podcasts like ones that celebrities are hosting they have like more of a prestige so Mm -hmm. I think it's easy in this podcast world as like very small creators to compare yourself or Mm. feel like an imposter like oh I don't belong in this really cool space with imposter syndrome what I've noticed it manifesting as is sometimes I don't want to share my talent in some way Mm. because I think if I share it right away and someone thinks I'm great at something and then later on I reveal my true self as not being good like make a mistake yeah if I make a mistake or maybe my first skill I show them isn't as good as what I do later on Mm. that they'll be very disappointed in me and I think with Mm. this podcast we kind of did the opposite which I think was a good growing experience is we put in so much effort into building the groundwork of it of having our introductory episode that we worked really hard on and all of the art and Instagram stuff I feel like we were really front facing it which I think is something I don't usually do because I'm scared of like if we fail and then we put in all this work and it looks so great at the beginning and then later on we don't do well it's gonna look horrible But I think this has been a good learning experience that I feel like if you put in the work in the beginning, like it will be more seamless later on. And if you make a mistake, that doesn't mean that you failed. Wow, that's super, super relatable. You know what I mean, though? (laughs) Yeah, I think I've done that in my own life, too, of kind of starting slow with things Mm -hmm. or never wanting to fully show my abilities at first because I don't want to maybe give it all away or something at first if I am good at something because I always think I am gonna like mess up and then Mm -hmm. 
if I do do that, then everything I had said before was like a lie or like everything I had done before was me being an imposter. Yeah, Yeah. because because later on, I wasn't able to follow through, maybe even though all humans make mistakes. And I know that it's hard to accept when it's yourself and like let if especially if it has something to do with letting other people down, which is why I think I personally experience imposter syndrome a lot in like workplaces or educational settings because I'm often working on a team or showing my work to people who are like judging me aka grading me I feel like I don't want to let them down or make them regret their decision to involve me on the team or feel like I'm not good enough to represent them like right now I'm in graduate school and I think this is a great example of when imposter syndrome comes up for a lot of people um, if you do choose to go on to grad school because often you're training to be in a really specific professional sphere I think there's increased pressure to be perfect or to succeed in everything because you feel like it equates to your worth in the workplace afterwards. Um, And so my program is a nutrition dietetics program. So I am training to become a dietitian. And that comes with a lot of like rotations. So I'll have to go to a hospital for a while and do like work as an intern. I'll work in like a public health setting, WIC, etc. WIC is women, infant, children. I think that I have this imposter syndrome that I've carried since my undergrad when I first started thinking about this career. And that is like, how could I step onto a mm-hmm. clinical floor, like an inpatient unit in a hospital or an intensive care unit and like have the knowledge, skills, confidence to like write diet orders for people or to like tell doctors what I think. Mm -hmm. And that even though that's my role and I am a student, so there's a lot more flexibility with, you know, what you do. It feels to me like there's no way I could succeed. There's no way I could be right. I'll make a mistake and everyone will hate me, even though everybody else in my cohort or my class probably sees the potential in me, just like I see the potential in them. To add to that, I think for your case, maybe that imposter syndrome also comes from the fact that you have a lot of authority for the first time in some ways. Like, yeah, good point. Even in school, even though I felt it, like what is at stake is usually a grade or someone being disappointed to an extent, whereas Mm -hmm. the stakes are higher of you're doing something very professional and you're an expert in dietetics which is like a big deal and really exciting but I think if you're new that's really hard to see yourself as an authority yeah that's a good way to summarize it do you feel that in job environments or educational environments Rach yeah I think throughout high school I almost felt it more than college to some extent Mm. with imposter syndrome and I think it's because in high school, at least our high school was like, very competitive and very grade obsessed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas college, even though your grades matter, obviously, it's more about experience and what you get out of the classes a little bit more than in high school, where it's more about the GPA to get into college. Mm-hmm. So I think I was very grade obsessed um, in high school and mm-hmm. I kind of appraised my worth to my grades in a lot of ways. And, you know, I almost had this imposter syndrome of if I got a good grade, I thought, oh, the teacher's standards are really low. If I could get an Mm. A or something like that. Mm. And even in college, I remember (laughs) this is like cheesy, but when I was studying abroad, my Irish history professor gave out these like little awards at the end of our abroad program. And he awarded me as like the best student award, like, for his class. Um, 
And it was just like really funny. And I got his book for free that he signed, which is really <laughs> funny. I loved that teacher. And I just yeah. remember thinking, oh my God, wow, he has such low standards. And I think that even that little like cheesy award that was just for fun, I like couldn't wrap my head around in some ways. Like, oh, mm. wow, I really fooled him with my paper that I wrote to him. Like, he really thinks I'm much better than I am at being like a writer or student because mm. all of the assignments were pretty much essays. Or I thought, oh, maybe because everyone else is traveling and not focusing on their studies, they just hardly put in effort. So that's why I got this little award from him. That's instead of Yeah. <laughs> instead of saying, oh my God, wow, he really liked my work. I did a good job in his class. He sees the value in me and I see it in myself. Like, mm. I couldn't accept that. I think that example kind of exemplifies a lot of my achievements in school. Mm. Um, and I think in general, I've noticed it a lot for me recently, kind of like you were saying, like the recent imposter syndrome mm -hmm. is definitely my new job, which I recently got in September, I believe, or end of August. And basically, I'm a freelance copywriter right now. So I work with a copywriting agency and basically my boss assigns me articles that she receives from clients and I help them write articles and blog posts and landing pages for their website mm -hmm. to kind of help their business marketing goals. This was kind of the first job that I've ever had that requires a professional degree of some sort. I mean, you don't need a degree, but for me, like my degree directly informed that I had experience writing in mm -hmm. a professional way. So I think it's what helped me get the job for sure. Kind of like you were saying with being on a rotation floor and like being kind of an authority, I feel like this is my first time being more of an authority as a writer. Mm. And I, for so long in this job, when I first got it, I thought, oh my God, I fooled her by writing this great test article. But once I actually get real assignment, she's going <laughs> to suddenly hate me. <laughs> um, so in order for me to get the job, I had to submit to her a few test assignments. Like she would just give me an article and I wrote it. And then if I met her expectations and felt like a good fit for her, she hired me. And that's kind of how I got the job. For me, that was really hard because I felt like I was obsessing over this test article. I mm. had Sarah edit it like two times probably. <laughs> and I was really, really anxious about submitting it. And so when she was like, wow, like you're a great writer, like you're a great fit. I would love to have you. I thought, oh, the only reason I got this must be because I put like so much time and Sarah helped me edit it. And in the future, I might not have as much time to like obsess over every single article. So she's going to find out that I suck soon mm. enough. Mm. And I think I've kind of been grappling with that ever since I've been hired, even though I haven't received any negative feedback so far in the past couple of months that I've been working with her. So I think it goes to show that it's so internal, even if externally nobody is saying you're doing a bad job. <laughs> Do you think it's tied to the creative piece of this job? Because even though you're writing, it's not like creative writing per se, you're still like making something for somebody else to be displayed out in the world. Yeah, I think in a creative context, imposter syndrome really escalated for me because it is more subjective. Mm -hmm. You know, like even again, when I would do well on papers and appraise it to being the teacher being lenient, you know, if I had like a multiple choice test that I did well on, 
it was more concrete. Like I knew the material and I got the correct answer. So Mm -hmm. I did well. Mm -hmm. Whereas a creative thing that's more subjective is easier to think, oh, I'm not good at this because it is subjective. So there's no exact measure of this is correct. Um, And I think that's been hard for me in this job. And in general, my studies were more of a creative field in general. Um, Like my creative writing minor, I felt always like an imposter in class of like, this story isn't good enough. Or, you know, these people around me are so much more articulate. Um, So I've definitely noticed it in class and outside class. Yeah, I think that for me, with creativity in mind, it made me think of singing, because that's a huge passion of mine, and like, um, like songwriting and sharing videos and things like that are so intimidating to me and always have been. I think back to high school too, like you said, and like, I think I mentioned this in a different episode, but like, I auditioned for the musical my freshman year of high school, and I had never been in a musical, so I think I already felt like a fraud because other people there were like experienced already and had done camps since they were little, and I showed up, you know, a few years of voice lessons under my belt, and like, I could read music like I had a sense of keeping a tune and pitch and everything but I still kind of discredited all those traits Mm -hmm. and like my own inner belief that like I am talented at singing like I can do it and she Um, is very very talented like (laughs) not even just averagely talented like amazingly talented (laughs) thanks Rachel (laughs) but I think that it's interesting that I threw that all out the window and then I basically kind of sabotaged myself in the audition because I was so nervous I like didn't really try very hard I almost didn't want to get in even Mm. though I wanted to audition because I kind of wanted to do it and I think that just goes to show that like imposter syndrome is very tied to fear Um, And it's also, I think for Rach and I, I think it's tied to this fear, not only of just putting yourself out there, but of appearing a certain way, like appearing overly confident or appearing braggy or like you're not humble or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for me, that's something that my whole life I've kind of tried so hard to avoid. I don't want to like look overconfident because I don't want to appear as cocky or like out of touch. Or if I fail, then it's, like, so embarrassing if I was confident. <laughs> right, right. Whereas nowadays, the way I think of imposter syndrome and, like, how to overcome it, it's realizing that confidence is okay. I think that's, like, a piece of the puzzle. With singing, I've really compared myself a lot to, like, other people's music and abilities. For many years, I just thought, like, oh, yeah, like, that's what a singer is. And so because I don't look like them or act like them or have the star quality that they have like therefore star power, star power. <laughs> it made me think that therefore like I'm not you know a valid singer or performer and I shouldn't share things I write because they're not good it's feeling like everybody else has more experience under their belt than I do so therefore I shouldn't try because I'm fearful of the backlash of that subjective nature that comes with creativity mm-hmm. too I can totally relate to that in different contexts Um, and I think for me and you, we kind of, with like confidence, I think sometimes we went so far in the direction of being like so humble, so downplaying of our own strengths Yeah, that it almost made us convince ourselves that we couldn't do things. Mm -hmm. If I 
did well on something, I would be so like, oh my god, it's only because the teacher had low grading standards or, oh, it was beginner's luck. And saying that to like try to appear as like very humble almost made me convince those things to myself. A big part of letting go of some of the imposter syndrome is unpacking these deep meanings behind them. And I think for us, like you just said, it's tied to like not wanting to be too confident because you want to still be humble. And like, I think you can be both. Like, I think you can be humble and confident. And that was a realization I had to just repeat to myself Mm -hmm. and say like, I can be confident, like I can know my abilities and also not be cocky about it. Yeah. With that realization, I was able to then, I don't know, like when I'm feeling imposter feelings or like, you know, telling myself I can't do something, it's like, wait a minute, I I am competent. Like I'm able to do a lot of things. And then here's all the examples of things Mm -hmm. I've done. And therefore, it's okay to be a little bit confident and say like, oh, I have these skills so I can learn this one. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, rather than uh, just worrying about all of my shortcomings. Um, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's better to put yourself out there and take a risk. State your strengths and, like, try your best to show them in a new environment and, like, get people to see those things without it being overdone. This phrase I kind of don't like, but it can apply, is, like, the fake it till you make it mentality. Yeah. Which I don't love that phrasing. I just don't love the idea of, like, faking it till you make it because I feel like you're doing those things you're not fully Mm. faking it like you're showing your skills like it's not like you're pretending yeah you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um but I think in some ways kind of faking more of a confidence side of it can be helpful in the sense of just going for things and not letting that imposter syndrome and fear hold you back and just seeing what happens because usually you'll be surprised that you probably will be just fine. <laughs> yeah, when I think of that phrase of fake it till you make it, it means being selective with how you with what you share with others around you and what you show. Let's say you're having conflicting feelings, like you're feeling really nervous about something but you're also really excited about it. Like maybe a presentation you have coming up. I don't know. Like I think if you show that excitement to others rather than just focusing on the nerves, That's allowing you to like not completely give in to the imposter syndrome or not completely show the world how like incompetent you might feel in that moment. Mm -hmm. But then that's also helping yourself be convinced because I think if you're saying all the time, I don't have this in my pocket, like I'm not ready or like if you apologize a lot, which is something I do, you know, in an environment where I don't feel comfortable, I often apologize or I like say, wait a minute, I don't know if that makes sense. Hold on, like, and kind of diminish what I had said. That's not only showing something to the rest of the room, but it's also showing myself like, oh no, I can't even like act Mm -hmm. according to what I need to be doing. So I don't know if that makes sense, but well, I just did it. You just did Uh, it, dude. (laughs) But I think that, I think that it's about being selective with what you put out. So yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that idea of if you put out a certain energy, you might get it back. I don't know mm-hmm. if I fully buy that whole thing, but I do think if you have more of a positive mindset outwardly and tell yourself more positive thoughts, you start to believe yourself throughout yeah. that process. If you always are downplaying any Everything success, you do. Yeah, then it's, I think other people will start to see that too. Mm-hmm. And um, it just, again, it reinforces the thought to yourself. Right. Because thoughts, I think when you repeat thoughts, they kind of stick more easily. 
you know? Oh, yeah. Like, it's like a mantra. Mm -hmm. It's like if you have a mantra that's negative, you, like, that's your truth, I I feel like, more so. Yeah. Whereas if it's a positive one, then that's your truth with how you think of yourself. Yeah. And I think for me, imposter syndrome, ways I've overcome it, too, is even just saying yes to more things than I thought I could handle Mm. in some ways. Like, even this new job, um, it's kind of more of a freelance role so I don't get these stable assignments every week it's Mm -hmm. like hey a client needs some articles do you want to jump in and help and I think my imposter syndrome is like oh I can't handle this with this time frame or this topic and my boss kind of invites me to take on projects rather Mm -hmm. than is like you must do this I mean, sometimes she just needs the help and assigns it. But other times she said, like, this week, um, she reached out and was like, hey, how do you feel about editing these articles? And my role has been just writing articles, not editing. And initially I was like, oh, my God, internally, no, I can't edit. I've never edited in a professional way. You've only seen my skills in writing. So if I edit and I do bad, then you're going to know that I suck at the English language or whatever it may be. So I, for a while, just sat with that thought and was like, you know what? I know that I've written a lot for you so far. I know that I always am editing my own pieces. I know that friends have trusted me to edit their papers. Mm. And even if I haven't done this professionally or been an editor for like a newspaper, it doesn't mean I can't try it so I Mm. even just said to her you know I was like I don't have any professional editing experience besides my own work and some friends work but I'm down to try Mm -hmm. and right away she was like woohoo here they are like she didn't question my abilities once and say like oh if you don't have this professional perfect experience then I don't trust you like she clearly Mm. trusted me with the project And that was a really good step in the right direction for me of like, oh, if I just take something on, usually that person trusts me and I will end up doing a fine job. And if not, then she'll help me out and tell me what I can do better next time. Like the stakes don't have to be so high. I think that what you just exemplified in that story is this process of collecting data and like reminding yourself of that data. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Like I think coming up with examples that you can turn to in moments of imposter feelings are really powerful. One example of that, I think, was with a job I had as a barista. Like, I I came into this job. I was so excited, but I felt so nervous because I had never been a barista, quote unquote. And so I was new. But then, like, over time, I, I realized that I do have a lot of experience and skills in related areas. Like I'd worked in a kitchen before. So, you know, I knew how to like work industrial ovens and like cut vegetables and um, like follow food safety protocols. And so I was like, oh, I have that under my belt. Like I've, I've talked to customers many times throughout life and other jobs. Mm-hmm. I have that under my belt. I can work on a team. So it was like, I was thinking about all these past experiences I'd had that weren't barista-ing, but like that all conspired to like give me the backbone that I needed, then learn the specific barista techniques. Like, how do I steam the milk? How do I make coffee? How do I learn about espresso? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. things like that that are so specific to that job. And then it made me feel like, oh, well, I don't have this exact experience, but I have things that can inform the process of learning. And therefore, like, I should be more confident in my skills. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, like having those examples in your head of, you know, things you did, and especially if they were challenging things that you did in the past and you overcame them, that's also evidence that like if something's challenging now, you have the ability to improve and get better and feel more confident. Yeah. Whereas if you don't think about that, it can feel like all that was out the window and that you're mm -hmm. like starting fresh and that, oh, I could never accomplish this because it's too hard. Yeah. Whereas you were probably in this position before. Yeah, I think an example of that is even looking back at your older work, like, in school. Oh, yeah, like, totally. If you look at, like, an essay you wrote in, like, middle school versus now, you're like, wow, I've improved so much. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to remember the exact way that you did things in the past mm -hmm. and how you've improved unless you look back once in a while and check in with, like, your older work you know like seeing the growth yeah. yeah so I think when you look at that you're like wow so in a few years I'll look back at this and think how much have I accomplished and grown since you know yeah so I think that's good evidence for yourself to get over some imposter syndrome as well mm -hmm. um I think another thing that kind of goes along with this is the word yet um, it's such a small word, but I think it can plug into pretty much anything related to imposter syndrome of yeah. like, I am doing this assignment and I don't know exactly how to do this yet, but I will mm -hmm. because I have X, Y, and Z skills that I've done in the past to get this done. Mm. Or I, you, with you, like, I don't know how to steam milk yet, but... I'm going to train and I already have all this kitchen experience that's going to help me do this in a way that is going to accomplish the goals they need. Mm -hmm. Or even if it's something entirely new, you don't know how to do things yet, but you can always learn anything. Right. You know, even if you're not the best at anything, it doesn't mean that you can't learn it and that you're just forever like a beginner at everything. Or that you're never going to actually learn it. Yeah. Because everything's a process. Like a good example is learning an instrument, I think, or learning a language where it does yeah. take a considerable amount of time and effort. So mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know this yet, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. Like I'm here. I'm I'm starting to learn. Yeah. And it can be frustrating to go through that process. Obviously, like I can relate to that. But I think yet is a really good thing to add on to the end of a sentence. Like because I think oftentimes people say like, oh, I can't do that. But if you it. said I can't mm -hmm. do that yet... It that's like the potential. Right. It's like leaving the door open for you to grow. Yeah. And yeah, we all have different strengths and talents. So some things are always going to come easier. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that the harder things are impossible forever. Mm -hmm. Like always add that yet onto everything. Yeah. Um, and I think I've always been the type that's like, oh, I can never do that. Or like, oh, I'm not the type of person who could ever learn an instrument or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why do I say that when I haven't even tried or I haven't even practiced significantly? Like, why can't I be the person that does this? You know, yeah. even with the podcast, like, oh, I could never be someone that like creates content. Like, that's too cool for me. Mm. But it's like, we're doing it. Like, anyone yeah. can do it. Right. And I think that a lot of these things came with age for me. Like... I mean, mm -hmm. I'm only 24, but I think when I was in high school and in undergrad too, it was much harder for me to wrap my head around these kinds of things. Whereas now I'm finally starting to really integrate them into my daily thoughts and like mm -hmm. patterns of life. But I think it's also important to think about if you're in a situation that you're feeling like an imposter in to think about why you're there. 
And like, Mm -hmm. if it's a program, like, like an educational program, you were chosen to be here for a reason. Yeah. And like, even if it's hard for you to believe that they chose you, you're here. So I think it's learning to accept that and just move forward from, okay, I deserve to be here. Like, let's get past that point. Just, like, mm-hmm. throw it away at this point. Like, like, you're already here. Like, I'm here. Like, there's no point in caring about whether you deserve it or not or you're good enough because you obviously are. And I think that's something that I often mm-hmm. will harp on for a while. Um, and so sure. thinking about that, and I think also passing the torch to, like, people you know, if, especially if you are in a position of leadership, to, like, validate people is so powerful. Like, because I've had people in my life who validated me being mm-hmm. in a role or, like, giving me really positive feedback or even feedback for improvement, but in a respectful way that made me feel like they value me being there mm-hmm. and that they were, like, investing in me. Yeah. And therefore that made me feel like, oh, well, they do see me like as for my real self, not as this imposter. And they're like, okay with that, even if I made a mistake. Yeah. I think, yeah, if you are in a leadership position, even if you have your own imposter syndrome, I think a a great way to, again, like pass it on to, to others that might have it more than you in that role is to validate them and, um, remind them that they're doing a good job yeah I think that's so important reinforcement really has helped me in my jobs because sometimes it's hard if you get no feedback you feel like you're doing a bad job mm-hmm. not that you're just doing a good job and they're just not validating it so I think those reinforcers really help and it's like a balance between you know seeking that outside reinforcement but also being able to give it to yourself and like recognize it in you exactly Um, because like you said sometimes people aren't gonna give you that or sometimes they're gonna be too busy or Mm -hmm. they're not gonna care because like they have other things on their plate you know so I think it's the balance of looking for that while also being able to find peace and giving it to yourself like I'm doing my best Mm -hmm. I'm you know x y and z yeah yeah so I guess overall imposter syndrome is so normal and I think more people than you think have it probably people that are way higher up in power mm-hmm. probably have it too to some extent or had it before <laughs> at some point in their life I think it's impossible to feel confident right away so yeah I think it's in- completely normal and I we wanted to just normalize it in this podcast and hopefully you feel less alone or like you have more tools to equip yourself to handle it better yeah yeah so we just wanted to shed light on our experience and the hopes that maybe other people could relate yeah and Um, i'm definitely still have it a lot but it's still a process it's a process i think it's something that will always be a part of living life as human beings like i even think of parents grandparents like having imposter syndrome in that new role like maybe the first time you have a child like yeah it's like so scary it's like oh now i'm a mom but like am I like Like, how could I how could I be a mom I don't I'm not I don't know everything I need to know like Mm -hmm. or a grandparent even like how do I switch this role into being like the grandparent and having adult children like I'm not ready for this this role I don't know like so I think it could really be something for your whole life Mm -hmm. um to struggle with but hopefully with these skills they'll even get better and better with age and it'll become something that you're more ready for I guess Mm -hmm. yeah but I, I love talking about this topic because I think it's so real and it's something that in professional environments is not discussed enough. Mm-hmm. Like people don't, you know, talk about it or open up very often in those environments. Um, and I think that 
if we did a little bit more, perhaps we'd be more able to overcome it. So Mm -hmm. I hope to carry these thoughts in like as I'm a professional and like be really transparent with people I work with and stuff. Me too. So in the meantime, maybe just make a list, whether it's writing it down or in your brain of things that you know you're good at Mm -hmm. and just reminding yourself, oh, I'm good at listening to my friends or I'm good at singing or I know that I'm good at working with kids whatever it may be like Mm -hmm. just think of a few things that you are confidently good at and just remind yourself of them because it's so much easier to remind yourself of the things that you feel like you're not good at or like another idea could be to list some challenges you've overcome even little things like oh I was frustrated this morning and then I took a minute to breathe and I was okay like things like that it's so you know we have little challenges all the time and I think reminding yourself that you're able to overcome them and usually move past them entirely is a good reminder to have Mm -hmm. but yeah we hope you enjoyed this episode and um we really hope you'll tune in for our next one because it's a really special episode with two of our really really close friends um and it's right around thanksgiving time so obviously thinking about gratitude and such like we thought it was timely so tune in then and you know follow us on our instagram mochas in the meantime podcast or email us with the same handle at gmail and let us know your thoughts or any inquiries we also made a Facebook pretty recently. So oh, yeah, I keep forgetting. <laughs> feel free to follow us on there as well. Um, that's another way you could get in touch with us. And yeah, have a good rest of your day and your week and the month of November. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.